You're listening to the Dad Whisperer Podcast with Dr. Michelle Watson Canfield. Whether you're a dad who wants to add more tools to your fathering toolbox or a daughter who wants to connect with her dad, or even a mom who wants to support your daughter's relationship with her father, you're invited to join the conversation today. Here now is your host, Dr. Michelle Watson Canfield. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Dad Whisperer podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Watson Canfield, and I love that you're joining me here again today, especially if you're a dad who wants to dial in with more intention and consistency to your daughter's heart. Well, you know that this is all about giving you more tools for your fathering toolbox, and that's because if you want to be the dad that your daughter needs, you got to have more tools in your toolbox. None of us just automatically have them. So I so appreciate the fact that you're here today, dad, ready to join a conversation that will equip you to be the dad and the hero that you want to be and that your daughter needs you to be. Well, you know the grid that guides the conversation every week. You've got it down by now, but let me review it just in case you're a new listener. It's simply on your mark, get set, go. So dad, envision yourself standing side beside other men getting ready to run your fathering race this week. And I'm on the sidelines as your coach saying on your mark, get set, go. On your mark is the topic or the theme, get set, fill in that in with stories and stats, and go is always your practical action step so that you can put your love for your daughter and your son into action this week. Well, today we have the privilege of hearing the story of a dad with a criminal history, and we're going to hear how he went from the mafia to ministry. Oh yeah, you heard me right. I'm talking to a former mobster. Yep, and this is a guy whose story is going to touch your heart, especially when it ties to his daughter. So before we hear from Robert Borelli, I want to read one version of his testimony that highlights why I invited him here today. Here's what I read. Mr. Borelli's story baffles the mind and intrigues the hearts of all who hear it. Having spent over 22 years actively living the mafia lifestyle of money, crime, and drug addiction, that is what sent him to prison. And it's there that he discovered truth, faith, and purpose. His latest book, The Witness, is the compelling account of the hard and fast life of an up-and-coming star within the mafia ranks. And the downward spiral created by his addiction to drugs, in which he saw his life ending in one of two ways, is what this is all about. He knew that he would either die overdosing or to the men to whom he swore allegiance, and that he knew they would silence him first. It was one or the other. So he now speaks worldwide, candidly and passionately sharing his life story of spiritual rebirth that was, listen to this, this is what I read and why I invited him here today. It was spurred on by the heart-wrenching plea of his little girl. Thank you, Robert Borelli, for being here today. Well, thank you. It's, it's always an honor and privilege to be able to share about what God has done in my life through a lot of experiences that God has gotten me through. So thank you so much for allowing me to be here with you. And you know what I love, Robert, is that even before we started, you know, impressed record on this, on this interview today, the tears were already there just knowing that you were going to be talking about your daughter. What brings up tears when you think about her? Your 28-year-old daughter, Brianna, what brings tears to your eyes even now? Well, a lot of what brings tears to my eyes today is the opportunities that I've missed being a dad and not really being a dad. So when people say, 
I remember for a lot of years when I, after I got saved and I was relocated to, to San Antonio, Texas, I would go to church even here in Dallas and they would have Father's Day. Yes. And everybody would be celebrating. I couldn't celebrate it because I wasn't really a father to my daughter. Mm. So just thinking about the opportunities that I could have had and how the mob lifestyle and the addictions took me away from yeah. that, those opportunities yeah. to be a good dad that I should have been, just brings joy, tears to my eyes, but the tears now are that I do have a relationship with my daughter. It's not perfect, but we're still working on you're it. And I love that you're coming to this conversation today, Robert, with that awareness, because, and I would say that honesty, because so many dads listening are in the same place as you. I would say probably 75% of the emails I get from dads around the country are due to estrangement, whether it's divorce or things that have happened in the past that have now not made them safe for their daughters. And these dads are now grieving, saying, what do I do? I don't know what to do. And so today, that's a beautiful segue into what I titled this conversation today. This is On Your Mark. It's simply from corrupted kid to connected dad. And Robert, when I told you that that was the title, you said, well, how about we call it a working on it, connected <laughs> dad. And again, I appreciate your, yeah. your honesty and your authenticity. So here we go for get set. I'm going to start asking you questions. And I just appreciate your willingness to open up your story because you're going to give hope to dads that may have had a cutoff relationship. Because you told me, how many years was it? 15 years. 15 years of your daughter's life you missed out on yes and so you're now working to rebuild so how about just to begin Robert how about you share the backstory again of of what brought you even here today well let me start in the beginning of a mob guy got involved with the drug business the drug business got involved with my business I got addicted to drugs crack cocaine was my last downfall brought me to my knees and because of my drug addiction when my daughter was born I was in a rehab center kept trying to clean up my act. My daughter was born. They allowed me to go out to be there for the birth of my daughter. I cried like a little baby. Really? Yes. And I thought that in my mind that, okay, now I have someone who I need to love and someone who's going to love me and my life would change, but it didn't. Mm. I had an argument with her mother after seven weeks of coming home or with her, seven weeks I was with her, my, my daughter and her mom. We weren't married. And, um, we had an argument, and I walked out of the house really mad, and I thought I was going to get high just one more time, but that one more time lasted almost a half a lifetime. Wow. Um, so because of my addiction, my, the, my daughter's mom thought it best that I won't be a part of my daughter's family. And have you and your daughter in the years, because how many years then have you been reconnected to her? Let's see, she's 28, so the last 13 years we, okay. we've been connected. So how have you rebuilt your relationship with her? Like, where do you start after that many years Well, it was a challenge because I was placed in the witness protection program. Meaning so, she couldn't know where you were. Exactly. So you could, exactly. when we say no contact, there was no contact. No contact, yes. So then where did you start reconnecting? How did you... How did you reach back out to her after that well, many years? Well, let me just go to the story of Rikers Island of, of how my life has changed completely. And my daughter, now I'm trying to get myself out of the mess I got myself into, okay? So none of those things are working out, but my daughter's mom is allowing me to talk to my daughter on the phone. Okay. Even though she wouldn't at that point in time allow me to see my daughter. And my daughter at this one time was crying, and I said, Brianna, why are you crying? And she said, of course, you won't come and see me. 
So now I can't medicate myself anymore like I did for a long period of time, running from the hurt and the shame and the pain that I was dealing with, mm -hmm. with the addiction. So I can't medicate myself, and I just, it shattered my heart because I remember so many times I was in the neighborhood of what my daughter, where she lived, would rather choose drugs than to go even try to visit my daughter. Now, I'm not sure her mother would have let me see her, mm -hmm. but the fact that I didn't even want to, I would rather get high in the streets and medicate myself. So that did, when that happened, my daughter said that, it just shattered my heart. And I, she was how old when she said that? She was three and a half years old. My Three goodness. and a half years old. And she wanted her daddy. She wanted her daddy. Yeah. So I shut down, slammed down the phone. I want the people in Rikers Island to see me crying. I ran back to my cell. And I knew about God, but didn't know God. And I gave him the ultimatum. Either have somebody kill me or change me. I can't live like this anymore. Yeah. And from that point in time, my whole identity just started changing. Wow. And you were how old when that happened? I was 45 years old. And you weren't in prison then? I was in prison, you Rikers were. Island. Yes. Yeah, you were. Okay. See, I, did, I didn't know that that was prison. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's a jail. But yeah. On my yeah. way to prison. On your way to prison. <laughs> how about, just for a minute, Robert, can you go back to your childhood? How involved was your dad in your life? In the beginning, my mom pushed my dad to do things with us, but my dad was... And I, and I was just, I don't know if it was the culture of where I came from or if it's the culture all over. Brooklyn, I can't tell you New that, York, but the yeah. culture. But that provided, he, he put the food on the table, then he went, and the men did the men thing, the woman did the woman thing, that's how it was. So he uh -huh. would go to a bar, maybe after work, have a couple of drinks, come home and have supper, but he wasn't really part of our life. And that wasn't the time. culture. Your whole neighborhood didn't have more invested dads than yours? Like that was normalized? I, I think it was, but from my perspective, it was anyway, because yeah. I didn't see it any other way, but uh -huh. I've seen other dads in the bar, so. Uh, there you go. Yeah. And tell me the quote that you, you shared with me earlier before we started talking that was about dads. I've never heard that. Well, in my neighborhood, that's the things they, they, would, they would say, like they would say to me, you, you could have a thousand dads, you can only have one mother. Wow. And I didn't really understand what it meant, but... What I, does that mean to you now? Well, it, it means to me that <laughs> the dads really aren't that involved in, in their children's yeah, or their family life. Yeah, kind of disposable, you know, replaceable, exa exa exactly. not vital. Yeah, yeah. Where, that's pretty sad. Where are you at now with that? Like, oh, man. What's your I, quote now about the importance of, of dads, especially in a daughter's so life? It is so important to have a father authority in any household. It's so important. The one thing that I can't get back out of my relationship with my daughter still today is I can't get back being there and watching her grow up. And that brings tears to my eyes because I was supposed to be there. I was supposed to be the love of her life and, and she was supposed to be the love of my life in a sense, just watching her and grooming her and growing up. And But then there's, there's a sense in, for me is that because of my mafia lifestyle and my drug addiction, it was probably better that I wasn't in her life because I might have showed her something bad. You know what? That is you know? a really, really profound perspective. I, I think there has got to be some wisdom to that. Have you and she talked about that? Well, I talked that a lot about that to myself, you know. But and not I, to her? Well, I, I tried to explain to her, you know, when we first met, she was only... I think 15, going on 16 uh -huh. years old. And we found her through Facebook. My wife found her. Really? My, yeah, I, I remarried. I, well, I was never married, so I married my wife. Uh -huh. And my wife seen her name on Facebook, and she said to me, um, 
hey, I, I know where you're doing I found your daughter on Facebook. What do you want me to do? And I said, let's not do nothing. Let's pray about it before we do anything. Uh-huh. I didn't want to intervene in the life without the mom's permission. That was number one. Yeah. I didn't want to cause any more trouble than I already did cause in that family, especially going into the witness protection program because she could have no knowledge of how to find me because yes. my whole name, my new identity has yeah. changed. So we prayed about it. And then I said, okay, don't tell her you're my husband. Or your wife. Or my wife. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> let's get that right, please. <laughs> yeah, don't tell her that you're my wife, but tell her that you know her dad and then I'm okay. Oh. And and that's how the relationship started. So she came back and then she wanted the phone number. I said, give her the phone number. But I made sure I had permission from the mom to do that. We had someone where I could connect from with your the daughter's mom. mom. Yeah, from my daughter's First. mom. Yeah. Such, yeah. I mean, such honorable. Well, I would say, you yeah. know, again, it, honor, is that a big thing in the mafia? Yes. You know, is. right to have honor. But to see that it sounds like God is restoring an honorable man in you. Like you, you honored her mother well, before the, you reached out to her. A, and you want, It's a different type of honor. Different, First of all, I honor God. That's number okay, one. Okay, so you yeah, know define I mean? so how is yeah. honor different well, well, from childhood to now? Well, it, back in them days, you know, I was running around with, with, with guys and, and, and men older than me, and some of them became my father, to be honest with uh-huh. you, because I was getting more attention from them. Yeah. You know, if I was to say anything, and I know this is off the question that you say, if I was to say anything to men today, yeah. it would be most children need a father in their life, and especially girls, especially Come girls. On, Not it. all of them, but especially on, girls, Robert. because they need somebody to be able to tell them how pretty and how bright and, and to lift them up and yeah. to just love on them yeah. with that unconditional love that God is giving us Come we on. want to give to our children. Yeah. And I think what happens is, is when we ignore them, they're going to go run out and get that attention from someplace else. Look for love in all the wrong places. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. yes. And is your daughter married now? No. Have you been speaking like you just encouraged dads to do into her life now? Yes. See, you guys, are you hearing this? It's never too late. Has Brianna ever said to you, this is too late, Dad? Well, there's a lot of hurt in her life. Uh-huh. A lot of where she feels I abandoned her. In other words, when she was going to and this breaks my heart, but she's going to school and every other dad is, is there with their daughter, uh-huh. but she doesn't have yeah, a dad. Yeah. And she, it, that just broke her. Yes. And I know it did. So the, self, the, the sense of abandonment... Is deep in her. It is. So we're working on a lot of that, yeah. and we're getting some lead way with it. And I so appreciate you being honest about that, because you could come here, and you could give us a version of the story that isn't that real, and I think you're going to encourage and speak to dads who are also brokenhearted, because in the groups I lead for men, some of them with tears pouring down their cheeks go, I, I can't reach her now. I've done things that it feels like the bridge is too bombed out, and I'm like, never. One board at a time. You just keep rebuilding that bridge, praying for for favor again. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to keep talking to Robert Borelli from Mafia to Ministry. We'll be right back. Are you a dad who has ever desired a deeper connection with your daughter, but haven't known how to go about it? Let's Talk Conversation Starters for Dads and Daughters is the very resource you need. Dr. Michelle wrote it with you dads in mind. This book will support you with scripted questions, equip you to decode your daughter, and inspire you with stories of other dads and daughters. 
Don't wait any longer to be the hero you want to be and that your daughter needs you to be. So to let the talking begin, head on over to drmichellewatson.com forward slash books and order your copy today. This book will become a favorite in your fathering toolbox and will give you the answers you've been looking for. That's drmichellewatson.com forward slash books. Now, back to the Dad Whisperer podcast. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Michelle Watson Canfield, the Dad Whisperer here talking with my new friend, an authentic man of God now, Robert Borelli from Mafia to Ministry. Wow, such a powerful story. You know, one of the things I wanted to tell you too is my dad grew up on the south side of Chicago. He was in gangs from the time he was 12. And he, he didn't have a dad in the picture. You know, his dad was last in their home when his mom put an iron on his face. And that's the last time that dad was in the picture. And he, years later, I think he, not very many years later, I think he was like 12, 13, you know, his dad was drunk on a bus heading down to downtown. And, hey, those are my sons. And my dad was just mortified, you know, that his dad would, in a drunken state, try to say he was related to the two, his two sons on the bus. But a lot of what you're describing about kind of survival of the fittest on the streets was my dad's story too. No idea of how to be a dad, but he needed to hear from another dad, hey, do this with your kids. You know, you need to do that. And so my dad, just like you said, I got to learn from another dad. You learn from other dads in the mafia that were father figures. My dad then, once he said yes to you know, to Jesus being Lord of his life. Like, can, can some good dads tell me what to do? Because I don't know. It's, you know, any comment on that one? Well, you know, um, in the mafia lifestyle, the whole thing was to provide and give the best life you can give to your children. And, and I think that's even part of a lot of the culture today. Uh-huh. But what they're starving for is our attention. They're starving for a father to give them that love and attention yeah. and to lift them up and, and let them know that they can accomplish anything, yes. you know what I mean? And yes. we need to be there to support them. And But a lot of times we think just giving them things is going to be enough. And it's I'm going to tell you, it's not. And I've seen it. I've seen it in the mob lifestyle. I've seen kids go astray, drugs and all that uh-huh. kind of stuff because uh-huh. their fathers weren't there. They had their mothers and they had some nice clothes and, and cars and all these other things, yeah. but they didn't have their dad paying attention to them or giving them the time that these young kids need from their dad yeah. to give them time. We want yeah. to give them everything but our time. Yes. The time is the most important thing we can You're give right. our children. Absolutely. Time spells love. Like yes. that is that, right? Because yeah. where our treasure is, there our heart is, right? The Bible says. Amen. So you think about yes. if your heart's with your daughter, are you treasuring work? Are you treasuring, you know, your relationships with other men or, or your addiction? But if, if you're treasuring her and your heart's there, Amen. right, you're making an eternal deposit. Sure. And I don't know if you do this already. I'm not, I don't know if you knew this, but I'm actually a shrink. <laughs> I've been okay. 27 years in private well, I've seen a lot of practice. Them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'm not trying to therapize you here. But if dads are listening that are in a similar place where a daughter is so wounded by you that she doesn't want to get close to you again because you don't feel safe and she doesn't want to be re-injured and abandoned again, writing is such a powerful way to give her something tangible to hold on to as she's rebuilding that bridge of trust to your heart. And do you do much writing to her? 
I, I don't. We do a look because today's text. Okay, but I'm telling <laughs> so, you, yes. handwritten notes, yeah. she will hold on to those. My dad um, was a graphics guy back in San Francisco after he got out of the Army, and he loves making cards for me. I'm telling you, every one of those, if there was a fire, I'm taking those with me. Things, And then my dad writes a note. Handwritten notes, especially in this culture, to contrast to technology, mm. are such a powerful way that a daughter can have something to hold on to from dad. Because there were all those years where she didn't have you to hold on to. So it's just a little idea. Not that I'm therapizing you, but I would say, it's do it, good, Robert. It's Come a on. new start. Come on. It's a new, new start. start. Yes. Write it down. Yeah. Send her things in the mail that she can hold on to as she's rebuilding. You know, trust with you. You know, I want to segue the conversation, Robert, if we could for a minute, to there may be dads listening that, you know, haven't been in the mob, probably most of them. Hopefully. No, no mafia <laughs> background that may go, I love this story. But maybe unconsciously are saying, okay, how does this apply to me? Okay. What would you say to a dad that is making choices behind closed doors that are detrimental to his relationship with his daughter, whether he knows it or not? Okay. Speak to that, dad. Well, let, let me say, because you said something that really touched me because it's my motto kind of thing is it's never too late. And what I try I to tell that. everybody in whatever, whatever circumstance, yeah. being abandoned by, you know, being the dad that left or whatever that mm -hmm. circumstance, it's never too late for a new beginning. You know, for me, I prayed a lot of years when I came out of prison for a connection with my daughter. And I prayed for a lot of years for God to soften the mother's heart, that she would allow me to see my daughter. It didn't happen right away, but it happened 10 years later. So Okay, I've so been... don't stop praying no, for miracles. No, but no. I also hear such humility in that yes. and care. Yeah. It wasn't being a tough guy. No. It was this softened no. heart stance, which God says the hearts of fathers have to turn if you want your daughter to turn yeah. back. Exactly, right? exactly. You know, what I say about myself, I'm a rough, tough cream puff. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so so but, back to what would you say to the dad that is making choices behind closed doors that you're now looking back going, you know, if I was to talk to the younger Robert, who was 25 years old, 20 years old, what would you say to yourself or to another dad kind of making stupid choices? Well, let me say this here. The choices and decisions you make is going to determine the life that you're, that you're headed towards. It, it has an impact in your life, for the good or for bad, but either way, it's going to affect your life. I've made, and if you heard my story or read my book, you'll see that in my lifetime, I made thousands and millions of bad decisions. But I, you don't have to stay making bad decisions. Come you don't on. have to stay stuck there. You know, like you said earlier, it's never too late. It's and it's never, never too late, late to start all over again. Exactly. So start making the right decisions. Start considering maybe somebody else more important than yourself. Stop being so self-centered because that was yeah. my thing. I was self-centered. It was all about me. Mm -hmm. But now it's not about me. Yeah. It's about first my lord and savior jesus christ and then it's about my daughter and even her mother we have a great relationship still oh, today that is so you cool. know and and yeah. the the girl that i married my wife so you know you don't have to stay stuck in making these bad decisions get on your knees and ask god for the wisdom that you need because he says he'll give it yes if we ask yes so what changes robert did you have to make through this process of turning your heart back to your daughter 
Well, you know, the whole thing for me is a spiritual thing. So that, that was the whole thing for me. It was spiritual. It, Say it, more about that. It, well, it was it was the transformation that God has given. In other words, he took that heart of stone out and gave me a new heart, a fresh heart of flesh. So I have feelings now. But before, <laughs> for a long time, I didn't have too many feelings, you That's know? That's so cool yeah. that your heart softened. Yes, yes. I'm the rough, tough cream puff. It too late puff. for you. <laughs> no. See, it's never too late no, for a heart to soften. Late. Yeah. No. From a heart of stone yeah. to a heart of flesh. But it's also not impossible for God to change somebody else's heart. You know, so instead of being bitter or angry, yeah. because the mom, my daughter's mom, I don't know what she was telling her, but yeah. she was giving her some kind of story why I wasn't in her life. Yeah. And I'm not sure all of them were great, but you know, I prayed that God would soften her heart. Yeah. I wasn't mad at her. I wasn't upset at her. I just knew that she thought she was doing the best thing possible yeah. for my daughter, regardless. And I said, okay, I'm just going to pray for God to change her heart. That and it she happened. would allow me to come into my daughter's life. So and it did. It really, did happen. This whole conversation is about heart change. Yes. Your daughter's mom, your daughter, and you. Well, Robert, I end every show with a go step. So if you were to tell dads listening today who may be either needing to be honest about what they're hiding and doing about face out of love for their daughters, you said, putting her more important than themselves, what would you say to that dad who maybe is stuck in a rut of making bad choices and wants to restore the relationship with his daughter? What would, where would you tell him to start? Well, you know, my new beginning in life started on my knees in Rikers Island. You know, crying out to God, yeah. asking him to do the things that I was unable to do for myself. And God honored that cry from my heart, the sincerity of my heart, that I didn't want to live like this. The pain was too great. Yeah. You know, there's a saying that I used to hear is, when the pain of the pain becomes greater than the pain of the change, the change might take place. Oh my goodness, say that one more time. When the pain of the pain becomes greater than the pain of the change, the change may take place. Oh, that is good. So the pain for me was so great that I cried out to God, and, and he's just changed my life. So now I just, I want to be so much of my, the barrier that I have with my daughter right now is I'm in Texas, and she's in New York City, and she, we did an interview with her. I didn't do it, but I had somebody do an interview with her to be on one of our. You can come back. You can do it together, the two of you. <laughs> with me, I'd love that. Okay. You let me know when you're ready and I'll have you back. And how did okay. that interview go? Yeah, so we, we and, and the thing that was, she said, she said, I would have a greater relationship with my dad if he was here in New York with me. And See, unfortunately, you that, still heard through that she wanted you close. Yes, yes. So dads yeah. hear that. It's yeah. never too late. No. Your daughter still wants your attention and your time and your presence. Yeah. And even if there's a barrier, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. If you really want a relationship with your daughter, if you really do. Now, there's some dads that might not right, want, right, and right. I don't agree with that. Okay. Don't get misunderstand me. But if you really do, just keep praying. Do what your advice you gave me, write letters, whether they yes. rip them up or whatever they yeah. do with them. It doesn't make a difference. You do your part. You do your part. And then allow God to do his part. Oh, come on. That is a great way to close out this conversation. My guest today has been Robert Borelli from Mafia to Ministry. It's been such a joy to have you here. Well, as always, you can go to my website at drmichellewatson.com and find free resources. You can sign up for my bi-monthly dad-daughter blog. You can also subscribe to the Dad Whisper podcast on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. Well, this wraps up another week's program. It's been great to be here with you all. 
I'm Dr. Michelle Watson Canfield, the Dad Whisperer, signing off and encouraging you to make today a day where you intentionally and consistently invest in pursuing your daughter's hearts. Go dads. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us for another edition of the Dad Whisperer podcast with Dr. Michelle Watson Canfield. If you're looking for more resources to support the father-daughter relationship, or if you want to connect personally with Dr. Michelle, you can find all the information you need at drmichellewatson.com. That's drmichellewatson.com. And remember, you can listen to the Dad Whisperer podcast anytime on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. And while you're there, we'd love for you to subscribe and leave us a review. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you again on the next edition of the Dad Whisperer Podcast with Dr. Michelle Watson-Canfield.